What's up, and welcome back to the Couch Fanatic Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Domain, and this is episode six. Um, last week, we uh, we didn't put one out because of Christmas Eve on drop day, and uh, kind of want to give everybody some time to spend with their families, uh, prepare to watch sports all weekend. That's what I did. Watch the Saints whoop up on the Vikings on Friday. Watch, um, watch the three games on Saturday. We pretty much just watch football until like our eyes bled out on Monday, right? <laughs> I'm sure everybody else is doing the same thing, throwing some basketball in there in the mix, just to uh, just to try and make sure you weren't seeing like yellow penalty flags and missed field goals in your sleep. Um, so today we're gonna talk a little bit of college football, a little bit of MLB, a little bit of NBA, uh, a whole lot of NFL, especially with this being week six, uh, week seventeen coming up, week sixteen just finished. Um, I'm recording this at like midnight on Tuesday. So, yeah, uh, as always, if some big news breaks uh, between now and like Wednesday night, I'll come back and throw something on at the back end. So if something crazy happens, like Francisco Lindor gets traded or something, um, and you're coming just for that reaction, uh, you can just fast forward it if you want. No, actually, you can just wait. <laughs> you, you can wait until... We get to there, but um, let's let's get rolling. Um, first let's let's talk about MLB. Let's let's start this off with some uh, baseball. So, uh, in case you missed it, the Padres have been making moves. The Padres traded for the 2018 Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell, and then they signed the top uh, international free agent, uh, Kim. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his first name. His last name's Kim. Uh, he's second base prospect. Really, really, really good. Has 20-plus home run type potential. Very solid bat. Good uh, good fielding. I know I have Red Sox fans listening. He's basically he's a, he's very similar to what Jeter Downs will be. Uh, if you're familiar with the Red Sox farm system, that's their top uh, number two prospect. Uh, he's second baseman type. He's very similar to Jeter Downs. Um and then afterwards, they also traded for U Darvish. And I'm pretty sure everyone knows who U Darvish is. Another Cy Young caliber arm. Finished second for the Cy Young last year in the National League, falling short to Trevor Bauer. And now there's rumors that they are in on Trevor Bauer. <laughs> I love what the Padres are doing. They're going all in. They're saying, like, hey, we're tired of watching the Dodgers win the, uh, the, the division every year. Like we want some of that action. Like we wanna, we we wanna, like we want this to be our time now. Uh, the Padres had the second best record in NL, in the NL last year, but they're playing the same league as in division as the Dodgers. Tough luck. So do they just mope? Do they kind of add a little bit, but not be cautious because the Dodgers window is open? No, they go full in. They're trading prospects. They're uh, spending international money. They're doing moves and like they're trying to spend money. They're trying to win and like it's very honorable. Um, I'm excited for this Padres team. They're extremely fun to watch. Fernando Tatis Jr. is just electric. Uh, he he needs to be the face of baseball because that's the type of guy that we need being like the forefront of our game. Then they already have Denelson Lamette. They have Mike Clevenger. He's going to be out this year with Tommy John, but like they have Mike Clevenger. They have you Darvish. They have Blake Snell. They have they had Zach Davies, but they traded him away in the U Darvish trade. They still have Chris Paddock. They still have McKenzie Gore coming up, their top, top prospect, pitching prospect. They have a bunch of young arms. Um, 
already, which they could be getting moved to for more pieces. I don't know. I don't think anybody's safe right now for the Padres. Um, with the moves, I could definitely see a potential Will Myers trade coming up. Uh, attach, you know, staple prospect with them, send them off his merry way. Will Myers has been rumored to be a future Red Sox for three years now, two years now. He's been a Red Sox uniform for a long time without ever playing a game in it. I can see a move like that happening now. Uh, Padres can send one of their young arms that may not be able to get a ton of time with the Padres, but like would be an impact for the Red Sox, and the Red Sox just eat all of Will Myers' contract. Albeit a lot easier to eat that money whenever. It'd be a lot easier for the Red Sox to eat that money. Uh, after what Will Myers did last season, whenever he basically just lit the world on fire. Um, but that Padres rotation is looking very, very scary now. Um, and not just a rotation. They have a ton of bats. They have Machado. They have Hosmer. They have Hosmer finally learned how to hit the ball in the air. He's finally starting to buy into launch angle movement. And it's working. As I said, they have Fernando Tatis Jr. They have Tommy Pham. Uh, Grissom had really broke out last year. Like they have these pieces. They just signed Kim. Um, they have Austin Nola. I don't know. He, I think he might be a free agent. I don't know why I'm thinking that. But you know, like let's just operate as it is. But like going back to Will Myers for a second. Last year he's worth 1.8 WAR. Batted 288. He hit 15 home runs and. Under 200 at bats. I mean, 15 home runs in 55 games is a lot, right? His OPS was 159. In case you're not familiar with OPS, uh, OPS plus, I mean, I'm sorry. The way that it works is 100 is a league average. It's it's weighted, right? To where like 100 is a league average. And then every number above or below is a percentage that you're better than or worse than. So 159 means that he's 59% better than like a league average hitter. That's that's a jet for somebody that they were trying to give away for free last season, you know? Dude was like in 600 last year. His OPS, just regular OPS, was 950. I mean, 960. I mean, he turned his, he turned his career around in a hurry. Uh, he went from a below-average hitter in 2019 to to being 59% better than league average. Um, I mean, I'm really excited about this Padres team. I'm very excited about what they're doing. Uh, my boy Donnie Arcello out there, the broadcaster, he's probably ecstatic right now. Um, I'm happy that he's going to be able to like watch a competent team. To go to the Rays for a second, what they're doing right now is really just pissing me off. Like, what are they doing? You're you're two games away from winning World Series, and like, really, like if you watch the World Series, every single game except for the first one, they got blown out. Was close. Every game, two through six, was extremely close. Um, and with the best team in the MLB, a stacked Dodgers team, and after that game, you say, all right, time to tear it down. Like, what? You trade away Snell. You're trying to trade away. You're trying to trade away Kiermaier. You're trying to trade away Jose Alvarado. You're trying to trade everyone away. And like, I get it. You got a nice little package, you know? Like, you had a decent package from the Padres. The Padres fleeced the Cubs, for the record. We're going to yell at them in a minute, too, because they're just being cheap, trying to offload salary. But their window's closing. So they have a little more of an excuse. But the Padres said, like, they're just not hungry for it. I mean, the Rays, sorry, the Rays. The Rays just aren't hungry for it. They come within two games winning World Series, and they say, all right, time, that was a nice run. Time to sell off all of our pieces and save the owner money. 
Like the owner knew what he was doing when he signed Blake Snell to a five-year, $50 million deal and backloaded it with money. Everyone knew after the season he was getting traded because he didn't want to pay that guy. Like, dude, you can't afford $13 million a year average annual value for a Cy Young caliber arm for a dude who has like a 3-5 uh, career FIP. Come on, bro. Just pay up. Go win a World Series. Oh, but COVID. Everybody lost money because of COVID. Really? The Padres are spending a lot of it right now. John Heyman put out a tweet. And then Trevor Bauer boom sauced him and said that he's dumb and like he doesn't know where he's getting information from. But still, there are rumors going around that Trevor Bauer is going to get 36 to $40 million a year for over five or six years, a.k.a. Garrett Cole money. COVID could not have been that serious if Trevor Bauer is getting Garrett Cole money, right? But I don't know. It, it really makes me mad that the Rays were so close and then they decided to tear it down because like, if I'm a general manager there, if I'm an owner there, I'm saying like, add we gotta add to this team. The core's there. They're young. They're cheap. We have we have to add. We, let's go get somebody, right? Let's go. Let's go get Trevor Bauer. Like that's our strength. That's our pitching. Like let's go get him. Uh, let's go. Let's go pick up a JT Realmuto. Let's go get a Springer. Uh, let's go trade for uh, Chris Bryant, who just got non tenured, not non tendered. Sorry. Um, like let's let's go do those things. Let's go. Let's go get some guys. Let's go make a run at it. It's just, it's really upsetting. Like, it's its its honestly bad for the game whenever you have people who are that against spending money. And kind of to roast the Indians for the second. The Indians said, I think it was last year, talking about Francisco Lindor. Because Francisco Lindor went at $300 million. And the Indians said, the day we give $300 million to players, the day that the rest of the league's giving out billion-dollar contracts. Like, dude, that's how you feel about your generational shortstop. Come on, bro. Like, this is gonna be, I think that's going to be my phrase from now on. Come on, bro. Whenever people are dumb and don't know how to treat their people. Man, if I don't move on soon, this is going to be a long episode and it's late. But I'm going to gonna try and put a little bow on it here. Um, Basically, like, this this offseason overall has been very slow. And then all of a sudden, like, the Padres felt like it, they kind of kicked in hyperdrive. Making, like, three, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, right in a row like that. Um, I'm hoping that kind of kicks it in the butt a little. People start moving now. People start doing other things. And uh, we can start to actually see more moves. But like, hats off to the Padres, dude. I love what they've done. I hope they can make another move to really like prove that they're going like all in. And like, you know, what else move is there to make? Uh, I know a guy who's the best free agent pitcher on the market right now who's best friends with uh, one of the Padres pitchers. Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger are very, very good friends. That'd be fun. So, yeah, hats off to the Padres for all the moves they're doing. I can't stand the fact that the Rays are selling off their assets. Like, Blake Snell is a Cy Young award pitcher who's 28 years old, so he's still in his prime. He's on a way below market deal for three years. He signed a $13 million average annual value. And that, they just say, like, nope. He was your best pitcher in the postseason. Nope. We don't want you. See ya. But I love what Blake Snell said. Blake Snell said, cool. It's going to be nice being able to go through the third go, uh, go through the third time in the rotation. Like, let's see how good I really am. I'm like, oh, yes, I love it. Let's take shots at them. And like, obviously, the Rays know what they're doing. Um, I'm sure the Rays are going to turn all these guys into great players and then trade them off again whenever they're about to get expensive right before arbitration. Right? That's what they do. Um, I could see 
like I feel like the league's kind of gotten too fascinated with prospects and like going kind of over the top, like valuing them so high. Because like the reason why everybody loves prospects is because like the potential and like you get to develop them and they're just raw. But like what's the best case scenario for the pitcher that the Rays acquired? The best case scenario for him is that he turns into Blake Snell, right? Like that's the best case scenario that becomes a Cy Young pitcher. Well, to get him, you gave up a Cy Young pitcher. And a year when you're not rebuilding, you should be adding or maybe retool, retooling a little bit, right? Like giving up an areas here to get areas here. Kind of like the Red Sox in 2004 when he traded away no more. Trade away no more, pick up pieces and areas that they're weaker at, and like made changes that way. But yeah, I don't... It's, it's incredibly frustrating to see the way that people view prospects because like they're so hit and miss and like so many of them just don't never work out um like whenever the chris sale trade happened everybody was like well the red sox overpaid red sox overpaid let's take a list of what happened shall we chris sale was the best pitcher in baseball when healthy i guess outside of duty kept the ground but he was the best pitcher in american league when healthy red sox won a world series because of it and out of it um yoan mancata was awful until up until like 2019 then he started to find a stride the other three guys never reached majors um, it's it's just ridiculous. Michael Kopech, he he'll, he has so much potential with his blazing fastball of like 104, right? But he's never reached majors because he keeps getting injured and he keeps struggling with command and all this other stuff. So like, who really won that trade? You know, I I think the Red Sox did. I think the Red Sox make that trade ten times out of ten if they had the chance to do it again because they won the World Series. Uh, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna do MLB talk for the day. Let's uh. Briefly get into some basketball. Um, I'm just because of how long baseball just took. I'm not going to talk about college football playoff. Uh, I'm gonna do a YouTube video, drop it on Wednesday about it, briefly talking about it. So if you're interested in that, uh, go check out the YouTube channel, Couch Fanatic Sports uh, YouTube, and you can also find us on all social medias at Couch Fanatic Sports. If you're into Twitch streaming, video games, stuff like that. Find me at Noah underscore domain. All this information is going to be in the uh, in the bio of this episode. If you're curious, uh, come check out the Twitch. The Twitch is a lot of fun. That's uh, whenever, especially when we get people in there. It's a lot more fun when I'm not having to talk to myself like I do for this podcast, right? Um, so, yeah. Let's get into some NBA talk. Some of the biggest storylines from the NBA so far. Um, Brandon Ingram and Sabonis won like the two players of the week. Brandon Ingram, average. I'm a Pelicans fan, so I'm going to talk about him. Uh, 27-7-7. <laughs> he was, uh, I know it's a small sample size, right? Three games or whatever. But like his numbers were, his point totals, like his assist and rebound numbers were comparable to LeBron and Luka, and then his points were more. Um, he was averaging like seven more points a game than LeBron while having the same amount of assist and rebounds. And like, of course, like it's a flawed side. It's three game sample, yada, yada, yada. But like, B.I., if he plays at this pace, like, he's an all-NBA-type caliber player. And, like, you're looking at a legit MVP candidate. If you can average 27-7-7 and as your primary guy, you're an MVP candidate. And if he averages that for a season, like, the Pelicans are making the playoffs, the Pelicans are going to be winning some games, right? Um, Their lack of depth on the bench is astonishing. Like, they just have no bigs. Like, uh... I just watched like the same thing that happened in the Heat game on Christmas Day just happened again tonight 
against the um, the Suns. You know, playing with them strong, going back and forth. Second team gets put in. Jackson Hayes, Melly, JJ Redick all on the floor at the same time. Don't really know why. And the Suns going like a twenty-two to three run, <laughs> and like you lose, you lose by thirty because their bench just outscored your bench by. Uh, let's go see the final mark because I'm gonna rant about this. Their bench. I'm hoping it shows in the box score. But yeah, on personal news, I started playing Dynasty Fantasy Basketball this year. Want to know? So that's good. That's a good way to fill out time to talk about. Uh, as I briefly look for this. All right, team stats. Largest lead, 40 for the Suns, Pelicans, 4. Oh, it doesn't have bench points. I don't know why I wouldn't have that. But, yeah, I'm not going to just go figure that out then because just not good enough. But, um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly frustrating to watch that happen. I'd move on to more, like, NBA overall news because I know not everybody listens as a Pelicans fan. I hope everybody that listens isn't a Pelicans fan because I want – this this community that we're building to be a wide variety. I want this to be, you know, fans of all teams. I want this to be just a community of just full of people. So first I'm gonna say the the Miami Heat are so stupid for not trading for James Harden. Like if really like you can depart with Tyler Hero and you get James Harden and you say no, that's awful. And like I see people defending it, they're like, well, their depth is just so good. Like, yeah, well, let's go look back at the last decade and see how many teams won that had just tremendous depth, right? Cavs surely didn't. The Lakers surely didn't. The Raptors surely didn't. The Warriors might have their first year. Certainly not at the end. The Heat teams, the early Heat teams had some depth, depth, right? Like they had some, they had some really good role players. But like, man, bro. For at least five, six years now, depth doesn't matter because if you have three really great players, it doesn't matter. They're just going to win the game for you. That Lakers team last year, it was AD and LeBron. Nobody else was helping them. Uh, and if you a starting lineup with James Harden, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler should be able to win these. It should be able to do stuff. And I think we all kind of collectively forgot how good James Harden was. And he has, he's definitely reminded us how good he is. Um, first game back, put up, let's see, let's look for the exact stats. 43 minutes of play, he scored 44 points, 17 assists, 4 rebounds, and a steal. And in the second game, he put up 34 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds in 30 minutes. <laughs> and that is the guy who Miami doesn't want to trade Tyler Hero for. James Harden scored 28 points before the half in their last game. And what James Harden did in that half is infinitely better than what Tyler Hero will ever average in a in a season. Like his best Tyler Hero's best season, he'll never come close to averaging 28 points a game. And James Harden's doing that in half. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like we all forgot how good James Harden is. Um I was actually talking about this to my dad the other day saying how awesome it must be to have like a Steph Curry or Dame Lillard or James Harden or like one of these like or like a Trey Young, you know, somebody that like can just shoot and like on any given night, Devin Booker, they can go out there and just give you 70 points, 60 points, you know? Um any given night they can just go out there and just take over the game and just shot after shot after shot after shot, just relentless. 
Like that has to be so cool. Like such a luxury. And like, there's nothing an opposing team can do about it. Cause like when somebody's on, they're just on and like, you can't do anything to stop them. You can only hope to slow them down. Like having like a prime Kobe on your team. Um, and Kobe's a little bit different than those guys. Uh, those guys rely heavily on threes. Kobe really didn't shoot that many threes. He, he would do work in the wing. He would do work in the mid range, which nowadays not many guys are doing that. That's neither here nor there. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I mean, it must be awesome. I can't, I just don't understand why the Heat wouldn't. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand why they wouldn't part ways. Like, I saw someone trade, it was like, uh, Hero, Olenek, Duncan Robinson, and like two first or three first for James Harden. Like, bro, I would send that over so fast. And then I would laugh my way all the way to the trophy, ho- 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 like holding the trophy in June. That would be just great. Um, a couple of other bigger news uh, injuries, sadly. Uh, your boy, Spencer, from the Nets is out. Uh, Torn ACL is out for the year. Um, that's a big blow to the Nets' depth. He's a special player. Uh, as we saw last year when Kyrie and Kevin Durant weren't playing, he really took over and led that Nets team. Um, so, you know, hopefully, speedy recovery. He joins... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to laugh, like make fun of it, but like him and Clay Thompson, <laughs> like they can go rehab together now. It, it, there's no connection there. It's just like they both tore their ACLs, um, which sucks. And then the next night, the very next night, like the day, the night that we, after we find out for sure that uh, Spencer Dwendal uh, tore his ACL, uh, John Morant comes down and gets wheelchaired off the court because like he rolled his ankle so bad. And then like, thankfully, I saw a report. He it was a grade two sprain, and it was uh, he'll be out for like five weeks, three to five weeks. But bro, if that's a high ankle sprain, he might be out for a while. Um, as we saw, guys like Saquon in football, Saquon and Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey, like it's hard to get back right from that. And somebody like Ja, who like his game is being explosive. It's like that quick first step. It's a uh, it's getting up and elevating at the rim. It's it's gonna be hard to recover from that type of injury, especially this early in the season. I hope they give him the proper time to rest. I hope they don't rush him back. I, uh, cause it's a special player. I know Pelicans and Grizzlies fans are supposed to have some sort of rivalry because Zion and Ja went one and two and supposed to be proving who's better. But man, Ja Morant's so fun to watch. Um, whenever, before the draft, I was actually like doing like, like joking around, not really joking if they would take it saying like, uh, it send Lonzo in the fourth pick to the Grizzlies for two so we can get John Morant and like have John Zion run it with B.I. Which, I mean, hindsight, that would have been awesome. But I don't know if the Grizzlies have ever done it. I don't know. But, yeah, hopefully John can get right. Hopefully he can uh, he can recover from that ankle because the league's better whenever he's in it. The league's better whenever he's good. Um, That's kind of like – the bigger storylines off the top of my head. Um, oh, yeah, the Clippers lost to the Mavericks by like 50-something points. They were down 77 to 57 at halftime. I mean, 77 to 27 at halftime. They were down 50 points at halftime. That was hilarious. I was dying laughing at that. Um, Twitter was having a field day. I feel like I need to kind of talk about Jokic. We can talk about him briefly. Uh, so, Nikola, Nikola Jokic this season is averaging 24 points, 14 assists, and 12 rebounds as a center. That is insane. 
Um, he's another one of those guys we just gotta take advantage of. There's certain players in this league who just don't get their credit, and like we just take advantage of them. He's one of them. Um, I think the league forgot. I think the league sometimes forgets. Like when players are just so good for so long, it's kind of like the LeBron effect. Like theoretically, like yeah, LeBron probably should win the MVP every year, especially like in his prime. Um, but like that's just boring. So like you get fatigue. So like the really, really, really good players kind of get fatigued because like like yeah, we get it. They're good. Like let's talk about other guys. Uh, Jokic definitely falls into that category because the way that this man passes, the way that he can pass like a point guard, like the Obviously, I never saw Wilt Chamberlain play, but that's like everybody says. Like, like he's the best like passing big man since Wilt. Uh, and anytime you're in the same category as Wilt Chamberlain, in a and when it comes to basketball or anything really, that's it's probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, dude, averaging 14 assists as a center in today's NBA, that's just that's nuts. Um, also, I've seen people try to argue about Ben Simmons uh, with uh, James Harden going to Philly. And a lot of people are saying, like, you can't send Ben Simmons to Houston for James Harden back. Like, you'd have to, like, you can't give him up for James Harden. Uh, yes, you can. You can definitely give him up. People are like, oh, well, Ben Simmons, he's a he's a defensive player of the year type candidate. And, yeah, guess what? James Harden could still put 40 on him hungover. <laughs> um, but he just hasn't developed his game whatsoever. Coming out of LSU. I knew that he wasn't ever going to be. I never understood him being the number one pick then. I definitely don't get it now. Like, he's a fine player. But he's not this, like, superstar that we all make him out to be. And, like, I, I probably sound like a casual right now. He's very, he's a very good defensive player. I get it. But, like, the dude just can't hit a jump shot. Everybody's like, well, he sets up so good for his teammates. He's such a good passer. I'm like, yep, that's what you want from your point forward. You want him averaging 14 points a game? No, like, he should be scoring 24, right? Um... It's just it's tough, dude. Being a, being the point forward for your team and only averaging fourteen points a game, it's it's just bad. And like he refuses to take threes. Like at least like Giannis, like he might not be the best three point shooter, but he'll take them. Like expand the floor to where it helps open up everything else. But like Sixers fans, for some reason, think Ben Simmons is Giannis. Like the way that we look at Giannis, that's the way people look at Ben Simmons. Like for the Sixers. Like Sixers fans' perspective, and I don't get it. I, <laughs> I just don't get it. This dude, sixteen in his career after sixteen eight and eight. Yeah, I mean that's really good. It's a really, it's a really good starter. He's not this untouchable asset, especially when it comes to trading for James Harden. He's not this untouchable guy at all. But like, I never. The second he, he couldn't lead the LSU team to the. NCAA tournament, I I don't know. Like, watching him at LSU, like, he could never take a game over. Um, Like, he was drafted over Brandon Ingram. I'm looking at the rest of his list. Um, and he was probably the right choice, but, like, Brandon Ingram, uh, Brandon Ingram's better than Ben Simmons right now. That's been another argument going on right now. But Brandon Ingram's definitely better. Brandon Ingram was hurt a lot early in his career, so Ben Simmons had more time to show. Um, but Brandon Ingram was most improved player last year and as we said this year like he's coming out as an mvp type candidate man they had some they had some names in this 2016 draft i'm looking at this now lavert actually went 20th it's always crazy to me how like these people pascal siakam uh at 27 
Deontay Murray at 29. Like these people that just fall in these drafts that uh like in like it's it's wild. Like if you go back in like an NBA draft, there'll probably be like 10 players in each draft that you're like, all right, yeah, that was a good selection. <laughs> and the rest are just whiffs. And like every team, you know, convinces himself that they got the right guy. But a heel, Jamal Murray, uh Sabonis, Jalen Brown. Dragon Bender, that's a name I haven't seen in forever. Yeah. I'm just kind of, if, you, if you're bored, go look at the 2016 NBA draft class. That's what I do from time to time also. I'll go look at random draft classes from random sports and just kind of like see. And like say like, oh yeah, like I remember that guy. I remember um playing 2K and Dragon Bender would always be drafted like right in front of me. And like the draft like set up like, like how they used to have it. I don't know if you used to play like my career. Um, but like they would have like the draft night and you have to watch every other person get selected in front of you. And also I was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was just some throwback time. Um, yeah. So if you're listening to this, uh, I was going to do college football next, but don't really have time. So instead I'm going to do lazy couch thought on it for Wednesday, um, the 30th of December. So if you're interested in that, Newsflash, I'll let you know now. I have Alabama winning it all. I think they're the best team in college football, but come check out the YouTube video tomorrow. But anyways, let's get into NFL. We're going to recap some Week 16, some storylines, and then we're going to do Week 17 preview, and we're going to kind of preview the playoffs a bit. So let's let's dig into that. Okay, to start off, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the Saints, Vikings, Slaughter first. Um, Saints won on Christmas Day. Um, I'm hoping everybody watched it. Alvin Kamara had the game of just a century, really, like a lifetime. Uh, six rushing touchdowns, 155 yards. First running back since like 1929 to rush for six rushing touchdowns in a game. Like, first of all, that doesn't count. You doing that in 1929 before the color barrier is broken, uh, before professional football is really like a true thing. Like, I'm, I don't think the best thousand or whatever like however many players there were at the time people in the world were playing it right like there's people like no i gotta go to the farm i gotta i'm a plumber i gotta go unclog some toilets you know um i don't think those records count i think i don't think anything before super bowl era really counts honestly i'll be willing to listen to things uh in the 50s i'd be willing to think uh, listen to stuff like that because like players like night train lane and like these people should get their respect but when it comes to records, I think anything before the Super Bowl era just doesn't count because there were multiple leagues. There wasn't just one league. It, it wasn't the NFL, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's my opinion on that. But Saints won 52-33. The Saints ran the ball at will. Like, Alvin Kamara averaged seven yards a carry. Um, as a team, they averaged six yards a carry. Let's see. They ran for 264 yards. <laughs> It's so silly. And the craziest part about, like, Kamara's six touchdowns, he almost had eight. Drew Brees in the second quarter, Kamara was running. He had, like, four steps on the guy, and Drew underthrew him a bit. He had to wait for the ball. Guy caught up, knocked it away. Would have been a touchdown. Um, and then the fourth quarter, Sean let Taysom Hill run it in from the one-yard line, and, like, that could have been another touchdown. Like, he, like Kamara legit could have had eight touchdowns that game. That would have been nuts. Um, but, yeah, Kamara's game was – Awesome. I love Kamara. Um, I've seen a lot of people. The quote came out uh, with Sean Payton saying, like, pre-draft that 
uh, like his quote was like, I think Alvin Kamara is going to be better than Christian McCaffrey. He was like, oh, you're wrong. I'm like, oh, well, actually, if you look at the statistics, he was right. Kamara has a lot more touchdowns, a lot more yards, uh, or a lot fewer touches. Um, I'm going to pull up. We're going to pull it up now to discuss it. Um, but it's, it's, it's nuts. Like, check this out. Kamara is third in total yards and first in total touchdowns while having 70 and 86 less touches than the first and second in yards. So like the person in first and second in yards and he's third, they have 70 and 86 more touches than them. So his yards per touch is obviously the highest. His yards per touch is like 6.25 while I think Derrick Henry's is like five point something, I believe. Um, but that's nuts. Averaging six point whatever you know yards per uh, touch, it's it's like my brain like can't even comprehend that. I can't like it's crazy what we're seeing like as what we're seeing right now with Saints fans. Um, I mean Kamara ranks first in the NFL in touchdowns, receive uh, first among running backs in receiving yards, receptions, first down. He's second in first downs, third in all-purpose yards, and I mean he he's just flat out is better. Then Chris McCaffrey. Kamara has about 400 more total yards and 13 more total touchdowns on about four less, five less touches, something like that. Um, so, yeah, like he has way, he's done so, so, so much more with so much less. He's averaging 6.2 yards per touch in his career, while McCaffrey averages 5.8. And that's a big difference, as you see, because he has that many, 300 more total yards and 13 more total touchdowns while having less touches. And everybody's, uh, um, and a lot of people are saying, like, oh my gosh, well, Christian McCaffrey didn't really play this year. So he's, of course, Kamara's going to have more stuff. But like, yeah, but if you look at the touches, and it doesn't have to be by games played. It's just go by touches. How many times did you touch the football in these last four years? Chris McCaffrey still has more touches while trailing that much in those two statistical categories. And people forget Alvin Kamara. He was viewed as a top three running back in football his first two years in the league. And then he got hurt his third year last year. And he should have missed the entire season when he got hurt. Yet he fought back and only missed two weeks and came back and played on what he called 75% of one leg. That he did that for us. And if you haven't yet, I very encourage you. I encourage everyone to do this. Even if you're not a Saints fan, go listen to uh it's called the Trust Levels podcast. It's Cam Jordan and Mark Ingram. Their first episode was with Alvin Kamara. I haven't listened to any other episodes, but I listened to the first one with Alvin Kamara, and it has some great stories. Uh talking about his time at Alabama. If you know Kamara's story, he was like awesome guy coming out of high school, went to Alabama was going to be the starting guy at Alabama as like a freshman or like playing like a lot. Um, had an injury, had some fallout with Saban, about some red shirt issues, uh, not playing, not goofing off at practice whenever you realize he was just going to transfer because him and Saban just like hated each other. Him having to go to Juco because Bama didn't sign off and go anywhere else. Him having to take like 20-something hours, I think it was like 25 hours one semester, and Juco to be able to go play at Tennessee the next season. It was crazy stuff, like how he met Sean, and then like how like the Saints have gone like since. Um, 
how much he loves Drew. It's it's a really great interview. Like you don't have to be a Saints fan to enjoy it either. If you're a football fan, the stories that he tells about Saban and uh, and Sean Payton and all these other guys that he met like pre-draft, it's it's very interesting. And then uh, they all have huge personalities, so it's very funny as well. Um, but yeah, the Saints just kind of tore up the Vikings. They clinched the NFC South. They knocked the Vikings out of playoff contention, which you know that's amazing. I. Uh, I think I hate the Vikings almost as much as I hate any other team in the NFL right now because like, they just leave such a bitter taste in my mouth knocking knocking the Saints out of the playoffs two out of the last three years. You really start to hate a team like that. But poor Mike Zimmer, he looks so sad. Like if Mike Zimmer, if it was up to Mike Zimmer, he'd play defense every possession. Get his defense this year is just so bad. There's nothing he can do about it. It's just so bad. They just, they just don't have the talent to fix it. Um, he just looks helpless over there on the sideline. Let's go through the Saturday games quickly. I'm not going to talk about every game because you kind of glance over the score. The Buccaneers did the thing when they beat up on a really bad team, and then everyone pretends that they're good, and they're going to get exposed. I have a bold prediction. It's a wild take, I know. I think they're going to lose to the Washington football team in the first round. And hear me out. This is why. Every team that they've played in which that the defense on the other team can force Tom, can put pressure on Brady with four people, like good defensive fronts, have given the Buccaneers just hell, and the Washington football team can. And obviously, the Bucks have a lot more talent than the Washington football team, but it's just an observation I made. Think about the teams that they lost to. Saints, Bears, Rams, what are those teams' strong suits? They're front seven on defense. They can get to the quarterback with four people. Like, the Saints had Tom Brady in hell that game when they held him to three points. Um, and Washington football team's young defense, dude, they're good. Their offense is pitiful, so like their defense would really have to step it up. That's the only reason why I don't think the Bucks would win, but they can put pressure on Brady and make him feel it. Um, if they win that game, I could see the Bucks going to Green Bay and beating up on the Packers because they match up well against the Packers. Facing the Saints in the NFC Championship game, I like the Saints in that one because the Saints match up very well against the Bucks. Um, I'd much rather host the Bucks than uh, travel to Lambeau for the NFC Championship game. Um. Moving on to the next game, Cardinals Niners. That was Amazon Prime game. Uh, it was it was an alright game. Cliff Kingsbury, uh, bro, what are you doing? I hate that. I hate that you get to have Kyler Murray. Um, if you've been listening to me for a while now, uh, I mean, not that we've only been a thing since October, but still, for these last couple of months, you know, my love affair with Kyler Murray. How much I love him. Like he's just such a great athlete. He's he. He's going to be – he is really, really good, but he's going to be just incredible in this league. I hate that he has a chance to ruin him. It really, really upsets me. But uh, after the game, the win, like, helped out the Bears a lot with their playoff implications. And Kittle, uh, George Kittle was talking, like, joking around in a press conference. He's like, yeah, I really love the Bears because <laughs> uh, they went out there and, like, beat the Cardinals, like, quote-unquote, for them. Um, The Dolphins-Raiders game – I kind of want to come back to this because I really want to dig into it, but I'm not. I'm going to talk about it now. Dolphins won 26-25. Um, if you missed the game, here's basically a recap of what happened. We can start from the last part. The Raiders kicked the field goal with 19 seconds left in the game to go up 25-23. Then Fitzmagic came out to play. Um, Fitzpatrick with 19 seconds left in the game. He completed a 
34 yard, like just pretty much like Hail Mary, just throwing it up for grabs as he was being roughing the passer, like two hands in the face, like covering his eyes, like like just like punching him in the face, basically. So it added 15 yards at the end of it. And they ended up at the ball with at the Raiders 26 from it. Like, dude, talk about a no-look pass. <laughs> Having both of your eyes covered by the opponent's hands, right? Uh, that's a no-look pass if I've ever seen one. But, yeah, the uh, Dolphins went out there. Jason Sanders nailed a 44-yarder, walk-off one game. And then the Raiders did the thing in the kickoff, and they just threw it around. And then, um, yeah, they just kind of threw the ball around until somebody fumbled. Ooh, excuse me. It's 12.30 at night, so I'm kind of tired. <laughs> um, and I work in the morning, so yeah. This isn't, unfortunately, this isn't my only job yet. Hopefully, it can be one day. So if you're listening to this still, please download, rate, and subscribe. Share it with some friends, and let's grow this thing. So I don't have to worry about what time I have to wake up in the morning anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I have I have some problems with the Dolphins right now that I want to get off my chest. I hate the way that they're handling Tua's development. This whole benching him every other week stuff when he can't move the football is really getting on my nerves. Can what it what are you doing for his development whenever every time he faces a little bit of adversity, every time he faces he can't move the ball, he can't he can't like like he needs to learn how to do these things. He needs to learn how to play in adversity. He needs to learn how to play when he needs to grind out a victory. When he needs to grind it out and win ugly, he needs to learn these things. And I get it, right? Like, he's super conservative. He's way too conservative. He completed 17 passes and only had 94 yards, for God's sake. He's too conservative. He, he's waiting, as Kurt Warner said, he's waiting for people to get Alabama open and not NFL open. He's waiting for someone to streak down the sideline wide open and hit him. Um, and that comes with time. That comes with development. But you got to develop him. The offensive coordinator... They're already very limited at the skills position. And then you have the offensive coordinator who's just like so conservative and he just does not have to call plays. It's it's very frustrating. If I was a if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd be very frustrated. I know I'm a friend, best friend with the Dolphins fan, and now he's very frustrated. Um we kind of got into it about the Tua stuff. He's fine with the Tua stuff because it's like win now move. But my question is if you're that worried about winning now. Fitzpatrick is the better quarterback to win, quote unquote, win now. So if you do want to win now, play Fitzpatrick. But if you wanna if you if you wanna develop too, if you think two is a guy for the next 15 years, he needs to play through that stuff. He needs to learn. This whole pulling him every other week stuff, that's not good for his development. That's crap. It's terrible for his development. Um all it's saying is like, hey, Tua, don't worry anytime. You can't do it. We'll keep Daddy Fitzpatrick around to come uh, bear you out. Like, I just, I, I hate it. I don't like it. A young quarterbacks have to be able to play through these situations and, like, learn from it. And he's not learning anything from going on, on the bench. It's, uh, at least the Dolphins, the Dolphins are in a good spot. They're probably going to make the playoffs. If not, they're going to be, you know, really close. And they also going to have a top three pick from the Texans. Or not top three. It's probably, it's going to be top five. Um, So they'll, be, they'll have their plethora options they can trade down they can grab jamar chase they can grab Devontae uh Devontae smith if that's who you like better i don't know why you do you right but um they can go get one of those guys or they can trade down uh maybe they trade up for go get uh p 
Pene Sual. I can see his name in the offensive tackle out of Oregon. I really need to figure out how to do that because I butcher it every time. I'm sorry, Penny. I know you listen. I know everyone does. Um, but but yeah, like, but they got to do something. They got to help Tua out here. They got to go get him. They got to get him some weapons this offseason because with the injuries they have right now, um, and everything going on, it's kind of hard to be mad at Tua whenever he can't move the ball with the type of number one, the type of. <laughs> Number one, the type of play calling they have. And number two, when Jakeem Grant is your number one receiver. When Miles Gaskin has to lead your team in receiving uh, that week. Which, I, I, I hate you, Dolphins, for allowing that to happen because Miles, Gaff- Miles Gaskin torched me in fantasy football because of it. Um, <laughs> scoring two touchdowns in the grand, uh, from, uh, from receiving. But I, I just don't like what they're doing to his development. I think everybody's rushing to say, like, oh, they should have took Herbert. Herbert's way better. Da, 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 da. And yeah, I'll, say, I'll admit it, Herbert looks really good right now. I didn't think he would be this good. I didn't think, I really didn't, I don't know. I thought Herbert could be good eventually. I didn't think it'd be like this. Um, I thought Joe Burrow was as surefire as it gets. I think Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence are like the most surefire quarterbacks drafted in the last, I don't know, 10 years. You know, uh, like Luck. Let's see, Luck, Burrow, I guess Stafford, um, and Trevor Lawrence. Like these are like the guys, like just off the top of my head, that like coming out, it was like surefire, like they're gonna be superstars, like Hall of Fame type quarterbacks. Andrew Luck, if he played long enough, would have been. I think Matt Stafford's gonna have enough career accolades to be in the Hall of Fame, and you know, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence is to be seen. But. I mean, Joe Burrow is supposed to be the next Tom Brady, and Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be the next uh, Peyton Manning. Like that's like their their cops. But it's it's just it's so bad for Tua's development. Like we all forget, we all forget that before it was tank for Tra- Trevor, it was tank for Tua. Until Trevor Lawrence beat Tua in, in the national championship game, it was always Tua, 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 and then. Tua was still tank for Tua, like number one overall pick, no matter what, like whichever Lawrence is. And then he got hurt. And then Joe Burrow was having the season of a lifetime, like the best college football season in history. And Tua kind of got like lost. And like now we're like, we keep forgetting, like Tua was very good. Tua was, you know, Heisman, odds on Heisman Trophy winner favorites for like his two years as a start at Alabama. Uh, like national championship favorites because of him, like odds on favorite to be number one pick, all this other stuff. And we keep doubting Tua, and if we're not careful, he's going to make us pay, right? If the Dolphins don't butcher his development, which I really hope they don't because it's – I'd be sad. I like Tua. He's a good dude. He, uh, I know him and Drew Brees have talked since, like, since like he first kind of broke onto the scene. It's pretty cool. But they're they're a lot of like you know they're shorter guys. Uh, they're both very vocal about their faith, and uh, yeah, they're uh, kind of the way they play their game. They they rely they don't have the biggest arms. They rely on accuracy. Um, but like Tua and Drew specifically always talks about how much he sees Tua like himself and Tua. Moving on, uh, just kind of going down the list. Falcons Chiefs. The Chiefs haven't beaten the team by double digits in a long time. I get they've been very good, but they have a lot of flaws in their team. 
Patrick Mahomes one day, he doesn't play the game of football the right way a lot of times. Like he'll make these throws, like he just throws cross body, cross field, like all this other stuff. And like teams just never seem to make him pay for it. And like, not to be like an old like man about this. Like, I mean, if you can do it, do it. And like Brett Favre used to do it all the time. Brett Favre also threw a lot of interceptions. But I saw a statistic that said Patrick Mahomes has thrown 16 passes this year that could have been interceptions, but the opposing team dropped. That luck's not going to last forever. You know what I mean? He, that's not going to last forever. Like, there's a couple times on Sunday whenever I was watching the game and I was like, bro. Like, um, one time in particular, it was like third and two midfield. Uh, defensive line was playing three down linemen and like there are two linebackers like on the edge. There's nobody in the middle of the field. Like, there's nobody in the A or B gap. There's nobody like in between the guards and the center. Um, and it was called like a running back sweep like outside sweep, like outside zone from the shotgun. And like, he just never like checked out of it to just run up the middle. It could have got like eight yards because the safeties were playing way back. Um, and like, it's like little stuff like that. Like, like he still doesn't as talented as he is. He still doesn't understand the game yet. And that's terrifying because if whenever he does eventually figure this out, because like he even said, he never, he never learned how to read an NFL defense. He said, that towards the end of 2019 is whenever he finally started to understand defensive concepts and like start to understand stuff and start to read it. 2018 is whenever the first time he actually learned how to read an NFL defense because he was never taught. Um, but yeah, like that's terrifying. Like whenever he figures his stuff out, he's gonna be. I've had this take for a while. I think he'll be the goat when it's all said and done. If he can stay healthy enough, he'll have the championships. If he stays with Andy Reid, he'll have the accolades. He's gonna break every Drew Brees record that Drew Brees holds now. Um, and just like the wow factor, he has the Aaron Rodgers claim of he can make every throw on the field. Um, but yeah, like that, it's it's kind of crazy what they do. Um, I love that the Falcons every year they're not doing it this year now. I don't know why. It kind of makes me sad. But like they'll like get knocked out of playoff contention early, and then like they'll like go on like a, they'll win like five out of seven games stretch like over the last seven games of the year, and like cost themselves a good draft pick. But they're not going to do it this year. Let's move on to the Browns and Jets. I'm very very annoyed about this game. I hate how the NFL keeps picking and choosing when they want to schedule a game back for somebody. The Lions were forced to coach. I mean, play the game without coaches this weekend. The Browns didn't have any of their five r- rostered receivers. The Browns went to Meadowlands and lost to the Jets because they couldn't play with any receivers. And I know what you're saying. Like, like Bigger Mayfield had to throw the ball 53 times because Nick Chubb was getting, let's see, 2.5 yards to carry. They were rushing for 2.5 yards to carry the team because the Jets got to load up the box and make them throw it because he didn't have any receivers. He was throwing to tight ends and running backs the entire time. That's pitiful. The NFL should be ashamed of themselves. And there wasn't a single positive test. One of the coaches was potentially exposed. So through contract tracing, the entire wide receiver room was knocked out. I, I don't understand how you can do that. I don't understand how, why that's a why why we allowed that to happen. But then if the Ravens have a giant breakout and the Titans have a giant breakouts, then they just get to move the games around forever until they can play. Also, I don't understand why the Saints got docked. For, again, I'm going to complain about this. They lost a draft pick and they were fined $500,000 for dancing in the locker room after destroying Tom Brady without mask on. And every single team in the NFL has posted videos since doing it and before. 
and just no fines, no draft pick loss. Like, bro, if you want to be serious about COVID, if you do want to give fines, if you do want to make them lose draft picks, then do it for everybody. Set a standard and stick to it. It's pitiful the way that the NFL has handled COVID thus far, and it doesn't surprise me at all that this league doesn't understand how to handle a pandemic. It is absolutely pitiful. Set a precedent and stick by it. That's all we ask for. We All we ask for is uniformity and doing the same thing. It's awful. Uh, kind of the game of the weekend moving on. I just not we don't need to talk about that game. I, it's, I feel bad for Browns fans because the Browns might not make the playoffs now over that game. Like to make the playoffs now, they have to go win. They have to go beat the Steelers. I think it's at Heinz Field too. No, it's uh the Browns are hosting it, which makes it better. Big Ben's not playing either, so like the Browns will have a better chance, but man, it's It's very annoying. It's very annoying that the Browns have to do with that because I think we can all agree that we all want the Cleveland Browns to make the playoffs. We all feel bad for them. Like it's it's time for them. It's been since two thousand two. Kevin Stefanski is coach of the year candidate. The Browns. It should be illegal for the Browns to be able to win ten games and then not make the playoffs. Like there's certain teams like if you go too long without making the playoffs, if you win a ton of games, they're like, yeah, you know what? Just like extra rule this year, just add an extra team. Uh, Colts Steelers. Colts were up. I think it was 21 to 7 at halftime. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up now. Let's see. At the half, the score was 21 to 7. Colts were up. And they ended up losing 28 to 24. Man, that Steelers pass rush is scary. They uh they have five sacks on the day, seven tackles for loss. TJ Watt had two sacks, two tackles for loss. He was playing just out of his mind, and like they were just getting to Philip Rivers, and Philip Rivers just has no mobility left in his body. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, in case you're wondering, update on him. He stopped recording TikToks on opponent's midfield logo for the game. Uh, only in our lifetime, right? Can can we ever talk about talk about a, a player on a team having to do a press release saying, "I will no longer." do a dance on the opposing team's midfield before the game and record it and like post it to the public. Like what, what world are we living in? It's so fun to think about. Uh, this Steelers team's so weird, man. They can't run the ball. Big Ben throws a ball ton times every game. They have a really good defense, but Steelers are weird. Like they started off 11 no, and then they lost three in a row to teams they shouldn't have lost to. And it's going to be fascinating in the playoffs. Like, their defense is still so good to where, like, if you told me, like, hey, the Steelers are going to make it to the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, I'd be like, yeah, like, I could believe it. Their defense is really, really good. But it's weird. They can't run the ball, and that's weird for a Steelers team. Steelers are supposed to be able to run the ball. Like, I think it's the uniforms. Like, whenever I see a Steelers uniform, I think, like, wow, like, that's running back. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about them. I think the team that poses the biggest – Threat out of the AFC right now is the Bills. Fat, let's fast forward to Monday night because I want to talk about the Bills. I think the Bills are a top three team in football. I think Josh Allen is a top three quarterback in football. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the 2018 draft class. You can argue with your mom about that one. I don't care. Don't come at me. Or you could come at me. You could be wrong. Josh Allen threw for 320 and four touchdowns and was pulled in the third quarter because they were winning so big. Stephon Diggs trade. Um, I don't know the general manager for the Bills' name, but he is a genius. 
he Stefan Diggs unlocked Josh Allen on such a high level. Um, it's honestly, I can't. It is you can't comprehend it. Uh, Stefan Diggs caught nine passes, 145 yards, and three touchdowns. Like this was kind of the week for huge performances. Because uh, later we're gonna talk about the Packers, but like uh, Devontae Adams also had three touchdowns. Kamara had six. It was kind of like the big names had big performances this week. But man, how far have the mighty have fallen? Patriots losing at home to Buffalo, thirty-eight to nine at that. And honestly, I feel bad for Bills fans, kind of like how I feel bad for Jets fans. I mean, for Browns fans, like. Bills Mafia deserves to be able to go to this home playoff game. Bills Mafia deserves to be in the stadium for this game. Uh, luckily, they're a young team. They're going to be good for a long time to where they'll be able to enjoy this. This isn't just like a one-year thing. But, man, Bills Mafia, like, we should start a petition that uh, I don't know how many, like, this is just say 70,000 or whatever, how many people at the Bills Stadium holds. Just get 70,000 people from Buffalo. Who like to jump through tables, give them all the vaccine so they can be in the stands for the playoff game. <laughs> That'd be great. They uh the Bills, the Bills fans deserve it, but the Bills are dangerous. I've been a Josh Allen guy for a couple years now. I love Josh Allen. I always thought he had the potential, but man, I did not think it was gonna be like this. I didn't think it would be this fast. The what he's done to improve his accuracy as much as he has in his last year or so, it's just it's crazy. It's it's very hard to improve accuracy, um, especially as old as he is. Um, but he's uh he'll be playing the Dolphins on Sunday. I could, I don't think they're gonna rest because if the Bills win, there's a very solid chance Miami does make the playoffs, and I th- could see the Bills saying like, "Hey, let's just knock them out now, so we don't have to worry about having to play them for a third time." And it's hard to beat divisional opponents already. It's definitely hard to beat a team 30 times in a row. I don't know if you've noticed, but like divisional games are always seem to be closer no matter how big like the difference in skill might be between the two teams. Um, but yeah, so I could see them going just like knock them out this week. And like the Bills don't have this history, like the Steelers, uh the Steelers Browns kind of have the same situation, but the Steelers have this history of just beating up the Browns constantly and like being great and excellent. Like they're not worried about the Browns. The Bills don't have that history, right? They need to knock out the Dolphins now. Um, knock out as many teams as you can before getting in. Um, but yeah, moving on, just Josh Allen's awesome. Uh, Josh Allen should be in the MVP race. He shouldn't win it, but he's not getting the love that he deserves. Um, and people might be in a rude awakening whenever they, whenever they, when the playoffs come and they have to run into the Bills and Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen and that defense who finally have waken, woken up because they were so good last year. And they just decided this year to like they, they started off slow, but they're starting to they're starting to get back into it. Trey White's awesome. The Edmonds brothers, uh Poirier's looking like he should have made a Pro Bowl, their safety. But yeah, the Bills are a very good football team. Uh but we can move on from them now. Uh briefly, we can talk about the Bears Jacks. The Bears won 41-17. The Bears have the infinite. Um, I'm sorry, I'm starting to get tired. <laughs> the Bears have a win in their end situation. Go win next week against Packers, you're in. Or Cardinals, the loss, and you're in. But, you know, control your own destiny, just go win. Next game. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Jaguars locked up Trevor Lawrence. They have the number one pick locked up. No matter what, they are officially on the clock. So that's awesome. 
for them. Um, Andrew Lawrence, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Next game, we talk about the Giants and Ravens. Let's talk more about the Ravens and the Giants because the Ravens won 27 to 13. The Ravens feel like the team, they're getting really hot at the right time. Their offense has been humming lately and they're starting to look like they did last season. And they feel to me like a team that nobody will want to play in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I guess for like the Titans, right? But um, the way their offense has been playing lately, they're starting to look like last year again. No, granted, it's been against the Browns, Giants, Jets, Jaguars, maybe? Let's let's go check. It's something like that. They haven't really played a good defense during that time. Um, let's see. Cowboys, Browns, Jaguars, Giants. Yeah. It's hard to take that serious, but their offense... At the end of the day, they're still playing very well. Lamar Jackson looks like Lamar Jackson again. Um, at the beginning of the season, they're struggling, couldn't really run the football. Lamar Jackson was saying that like people were coming up to the line at the line of scrimmage, they were calling out their plays that they were going to run before they ran it. And uh, Lamar Jackson's kind of doing his thing again. Uh, the infamous under two hundred yards and two touchdowns while running for almost hundred. <laughs> That's kind of Lamar's special. Um, but, you know, it works. Whenever you can run for six yards to carry, you really don't have to throw the ball for 300 yards. Um, but, yeah, the Ravens with their defense, who's – they're starting to play better. But just with their team overall and kind of like their history, like there's certain teams like you just don't kind of want to run into in the playoffs because they're like just good in the playoffs. The Ravens are one of them. The Steelers, you know, Pats. Like there's like there's certain teams when they get in the playoffs, you're like, yee. Like they might not be the best team, but like just historically speaking, they can win in the playoffs. They've done it before. Next game, Bengals and Texans. The we don't even talk about this game. The Bengals won 37-31. Who cares? Right? Um it's frustrating because they're ruining the Joe Burrow uh getting help at the offensive line position because they could have just locked up getting your boy from Oregon, which I really need. This is a rant I'm about to go on. Why does it seem like like NFL teams, there's always really good offensive linemen available, and like they just never I, – I, I think I ran about it last podcast, and then nobody ever goes get them. Like all the Bengals had to do before this season was go sign Jack Conklin, go sign let's, – let's go look. They could sign Jack Conklin, who was available. Go sign Brian Bulaga, who was available. Was it Bulaga or Bakatiari? It was one of the two out of Green Bay. Go sign them both. Go sign uh, Joe Thune. And just move on with your life. Joe Burrow is protected. Boom. You got a Ferrari in Joe Burrow, and you're protecting him with, uh, with, a, with, a, with a little bicycle lock. It's terrible. Like, their offensive line this year was a revolving door, allowing anybody and everybody in. Uh, at the time of Joe Burrow's injury, he was hit like 80 more times than the person. He was, he was the hit the most in the NFL, and the person in second was had like 80 times less hit than him. You can't do that. You, you can't have a – that's what happens. Like, Joe Burrow tore his ACL. Obviously, he didn't tear his ACL, like – it was a freak play, right? But, like, he was getting beat up all season long. And, like, if he had a good off- offensive line, does that play happen? Who knows? It, it still might, you know? It's a freak play. But you got to try at least lower the risk. You can't have him getting hit 
10 times a game back there like he was. It's just frustrating. Um, the story from this game is probably the J.J. Watt rant after the game. It wasn't really a rant. He was kind of like in tears. And he was talking about like how like the players in his team just like don't want it. Or not necessarily. But like he was calling people out saying, like, if you can't show up to the weight room and work and lift hard and practice hard and study the film hard and come out here and give you all of your effort, uh, the amount of money you're being paid, the amount of people that care about you, the amount of people that cheer you on every week, then, like, like he doesn't understand you. And it was a really good uh, listen. Uh, if you want to go check that out, I think you should. Go check that out. Um, find it pretty much anywhere on Twitter, like ESPN's Twitter posted and stuff. Uh, or just search JJ Watt and it'll probably come up like as like the most popular search thing. But yeah, I, I felt him on that. It's it's probably incredibly frustrating, especially somebody like him and Deshaun. Like those two guys like are just on a different planet as everybody else in that organization right now. And granted, there's probably a few people like them that work really exceptionally hard. Um, but like those two guys in particular are really hard workers. They're competitors. They're used to winning. And this season's got to be tough for them. Chargers Broncos. Chargers won 19-16. I don't really want to talk about this game much. Jerry Judy had a ton of drops. You, you got to clean that up, bro. Um, he had 15 targets and only caught 16 passes. I mean, he had 15 targets, only had caught six passes. That's bad. That's really bad. Um, Drew Locke threw the ball almost 50 times. The Chargers kind of put it into cruise control and then was like, oh, shoot, and like needed to go downfield and score to win the game because it was tied 16-16. They had to go kick field goal. Uh, the Chargers did this without Keenan Allen and really without Austin Eckler. It didn't really include Eckler that much in offense this week. Um, I don't understand why teams don't throw the ball to the running backs more often. Usually the Chargers are hit and miss. There'll be games when Eckler catches 10 passes and every game she didn't even get a target. Very incredibly frustrating for a regular fantasy owner. But in general, like, alas, throwing the ball to your running back helps. It helps open up your offense. It makes your offense more dynamic. It adds layers. It adds more things to the defense has to worry about. Don't understand why more teams don't do it. I've never once seen Alvin Kamara be covered on an angle route. I've never once seen Alvin Kamara be covered on an option route. But, like, with linebackers on him, all you got to do is run that three times a game, and, like, your offense has just opened up so much. Like, people – and people just haven't realized that. People, like, haven't, like, learned that by now. Um, and I guess they never will, you know. Maybe eventually they will, but then a new craze will come along. Uh, moving on, Carolina beat the Washington football team 20-13. to and man, this game was so. This game was so uneventful. Uh, Chase Young is awesome. He like had a strip sack and then recovered it because you know he's just, just great. Had a, one sack, two tackles for loss. Uh, he hit the quarterback a few times and, yeah, like Dwayne Haskins got cut. You know how bad you have to be, to be a first round pick and be cut before your second season ends in the NFL. Um. Like they have, they call up practice squad guys come take your place, and like I know, like Ron Rivera never liked him. It was never Ron Rivera's guy, but like apparently, like he was lazy. He didn't want to practice. He didn't want to watch film. He was just it was very immature. Ron Rivera didn't like him, and he was just kind of always on the bad side. And at that point, like it just didn't help because Ron Rivera had a stigma about him. He didn't like him, and no matter what Dwayne would do didn't matter so Dwayne never really tried to fix anything he just kind of kept doing his thing now he's cut 
Um, then you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt. Everybody likes to kick people when they're down and leaving. The amount of people that came out of the woodworks, just all of a sudden talking about terrible Dwayne Haskins. I mean, Edward, I think he's a good quarterback now. Do I think the potential's there? Yes. Do I think he'll ever work to get to the potential? I don't know. Um, the stories I saw was very alarming. Do I want the Saints to stick a flyer on him? No, but that's only because I don't think he's better than any of the two options that we have on the roster behind Drew right now. Um, do I think if it goes to the right situation, he's ready to work? He can be a quarterback? Yeah. I mean, he threw 50 touchdowns in, at Ohio State. There's got to be something there. Um, a lot of people are saying, like, they're kind of scared for Justin Her- uh, uh, Justin Fields right now coming out of Ohio State. Um, I don't want to share what the two kind of really have to do with each other. He's saying, like, oh, Ohio State quarterbacks never work. Uh, Alabama quarterbacks never work, like that type of stuff. I'm like, well, I mean, they're individual humans. They're not robots. They're not just kind of pinned to paper. They're not just, they're more than just like the name on a regular jersey and like their stats on a piece of paper. Moving on, uh, Dallas destroyed Philadelphia, not Philadelphia out of the playoff race. And now the Cowboys could make the playoffs. Um, if Washington loses next Sunday on Monday, on Sunday Night Football to the Eagles, the winner of the Cowboys-Giants game will win the NFC, the NFC East. So, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, in a season when they lost Dak Prescott in Week 5, who I hope they realize they need to throw the bag at Dak Prescott now because he makes that offense go. But... Yeah, there's really not much to say. The Eagles secondary is so bad, Andy Dalton just lit him up for 377 yards. Um, Gallup and Cooper both broke 100 yards. Um, Zeke ran for 100 yards, which felt good. He averaged 5.5. Tony Pollard only averaged 1.3. And I'm happy that happened because everybody did the whole, Tony Pollard, he's better than Zeke. He costs way less. Da, 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 da. Like, okay, dude, small sample size. Uh, it's Tony Pollard comes in a game later when defense is more worn down. He comes in in garbage time minutes when they're losing. Like, there's situations to that. Uh, before Dak's injury, Zeke was still very effective. He was very good. Like, there's more than just that. I mean, it's the, the same people that say that are the same people that said Mike Davis. The Panthers should trade McCaffrey and just start Mike Davis. They're, just, they're dumb people. Um, I've never been a big proponent of paying running backs, but... Yeah, people people are just dumb. Um, but, I mean, the Cowboys, they might mess around and go. The Cowboys might mess around and go win the, the NFC East next year. I mean, uh, next, uh, like next week. Yes, week 17. Rams, Seahawks. The Seahawks defense has really turned the corner. Uh, in their last six games, they haven't allowed more than 20 points. Uh, they won 20-9 to against the Rams. Jared Goff ended up getting injured. And now Jared Goff might not be playing against the Cardinals in in, in Week 17, and also Kyler Murray might not be playing. So it's weird. Um, yeah, I signed me up. If the Saints get the two seed, I would be down to play the Rams without Jared Goff. That seems like a good uh, intro to the playoffs coming off of the Panthers game in Week 17. So now to explain kind of like the NFC, to explain the NFC. Playoff picture for the for the one seed. Nobody earned it yet. The Packers win, they get it. If the Packers and Saints lose and the Seahawks win, 
the Seahawks get it. But then if the Packers lose, the Seahawks win, and the Saints win, then the Saints get it because it's a three-way tie. They have the best conference record. So, yeah, I know that was a lot that I just said. So, if you're a Saints fan, just know you cheer for the Seahawks and Bears on Sunday. And all those games get played at the same time for competitive balance. If you're a Seahawks fan, you cheer for you, and then you cheer for the Bears and the Panthers. Um, and if you're a Packers fan, you cheer for yourself. And slash or um, the, you know, Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Who, I don't, let's go see who the Seahawks are playing. I honestly have no clue. I I forgot. Seahawks are playing the Niners. Yeah, cool. Cool, cool, cool. But yeah, it's a, it's going to be a fun week. It's definitely, definitely going to be a fun week. I could, next week, a lot of meaningful games. There are, there are only like a couple games that aren't really meaningful. Um, But yeah, a lot of us have our fantasy championships. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to sitting down on Sunday and just watching football again till my eyes bleed for the last time this season. Crying face emoji. I guess I'm not not the last time because like we'll have playoffs, but like there's only one game on, so it's not the same. It's like flipping constantly back and forth, back and forth, going to red zone, going to other games and stuff. Up with Sunday Ticket, Shadow Directv. Sunday Ticket's like the greatest creation in the world. Um, but yeah, uh, we can we're, we're trying to wrap it up. We're we're starting to get a little long. Uh. Last game, Sunday Night Football, t- the Titans got just dog-walked by the Packers. Devontae Adams, uh, three touchdowns, 142 yards on 11 catches. A.J. Dillon ran for 124 and two yards. Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP. Uh, he should. Aaron Rodgers is low-key having his best season of his career. And at the age of, what, 36, 37, like Aaron Rodgers is getting up there. Um, But what they're doing right now, Devontae Adams is probably going to win Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, I wrote Devonte Adams is the best receiver in football blog. Uh, go check that out if you're listening to this. If you're curious about it, uh, go do it just to help you know pat my stats. Why not? So I don't have to talk about it now, and you can read it there. But Devonte Adams is the best wide receiver in football. He's the best route runner in football. He finally has soft hands because he had some hard hands in 2015. Uh, I'll give you sneak peek to blog in 2015. His development coming to best receiver in football. 2015 he dropped 13 percent of his passes. This year he dropped one percent. That's a big difference. Um, but, yeah, the Packers just dominated the Titans. Uh, they got out to lead early. And, like, the way you got to beat the Titans, you just can't let them use Derrick Henry. You can't let Derrick Henry get going. You can't you can't let them rely on him. You have to just score and score and score and score. And, like, you have to stack the box and say, hey, Tannehill, you got to beat us, and you got to beat us while coming from behind. Um, if I play against the Titans, honestly, my strategy might be win the coin toss, get the ball first, go down the field, score a touchdown, and then load the box and say, go ahead, Danny, I'll match it. And keep doing that every possession. And if they can do it, tip your cap. Right? Tip your cap. Say, you know what? Good job. But that defense is not good enough to play that type of smash mouth football that they like to play on offense. And I know it probably drives Mike Vrabel crazy because Mike Vrabel also seems like the type of guy who, like, if they could run the wing T, like if they can be Army's offense or Navy's offense, like for a full games, like forever, he would do it because <laughs> he's just like he's that type of guy. He's a, he's a he's a big time he's a big football guy. He's a big uh, tough guy, right? Um, but yeah, the uh, Packers the Packers impressed me. That's the first time all season in the last two years really that I've been impressed by the Packers and took them as serious Super Bowl contenders. 
but I think I see there, there's teams out there that really match up with them well. Um, the Bucks match up with them well. The Saints match up with them well. Basically, anybody that can match their scores while also like that can also put pressure. Um, like the Packers, the Packers rush defense is so bad. And like they kind of they slowed down Derrick Henry a little bit. Derrick Henry still had four and a half yards to carry, while, but the problem is they couldn't rely on it because he just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. But if you put a real defense out there, so anything can stop Aaron Rodgers, when anything put pressure on him, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be a lot harder. Um, I think I'm about to go back and look now because it was such a good game. The Saints game against them. Um, the Saints offense really didn't understand what they were doing yet. It was week three. A lot of new pieces, um, and then their defense wasn't it yet, and they still only lost by seven. And if you go back and look at the game, go back and watch it. The reason why they lost is because I'm gonna talk. Yes, I'm gonna talk about this because I'm gonna defend myself because nobody for some reason remembers this. Tied twenty at twenty-seven, coming off of the Saints scoring a touchdown, Green Bay has the ball around the fifty. Fourth and one, they get stopped. Um, the Packers get stopped. Malcolm Jenkins makes a good tackle on the open field, and uh, they turn the ball over. Drew Brees, offense is humming at this point, right? They score twenty-seven points, uh, like right at halftime. This is let's see. This is at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Drew Brees completes seven-yard pass. Next play, they put Taysom Hill in for some reason because that's what they always do every time Drew Brees starts to move down the ball down the field. They wanted to put Taysom Hill in. Unless we're playing against the Chiefs and we can't get the ball moving, then we just keep Drew Brees in the whole time. doesn't ever make sense, but I digress. Taysom Hill fumbles the ball. The Packers kick, go kick a field goal, get three free points because they're just there already. Saints go three and out. Packers go back, score a touchdown. All of a sudden, you're down 10, and you just don't have enough time to go in the game because after the touchdown, they had two minutes left. That field goal cost them the game. Their offense was humming. They had all the momentum. They had a huge emotional big stop of forcing the turnover on downs. And, like, the Saints led at halftime in this game. Um, the Saints had the ball. They were right outside of field goal range already. Like, whenever they would taste them, fumble the ball because it's right around midfield. It's, it's just it's so incredibly frustrating. Like, that's the reason why they lost. And if they win that game, then they have the one seed locked up right now, you know. They have the one seed locked up. They um nobody's talking about the Packers because they the Packers would be wouldn't have a win over a team with it. The Packers wouldn't have a single win with a team with a over five hundred record. So it's frustrating. It's frustrating that they're still getting that love. But anyways, if you made it this long, uh thank you for listening. Uh as always. Something happens between now and late Wednesday night. Um, I'll come back and update at the end of this. Oh, time travel Noah. Everybody loves time travel Noah. Um, but yeah, um, if you made it this far, please check out my uh, blogs at CaptainXReports.com. It's going to be in the bio um, of this episode that you're listening to. You check out the YouTube channel at CaptainXReports. All of the TikTok, Instagram, Facebook at Couch Fanatic Sports. Twitter is Couch Fanatic. Couch Fanatic. Because they just didn't have enough characters, so it's only Couch Fanatic. And then Twitch, uh, you can go Noah underscore Domain. Uh, come out to Twitch. Twitch is, Twitch is fun. Twitch is my favorite thing that I do uh, with podcasting. But let's grow this. Uh, 
please, if you listen to this, uh, share it with five friends. Uh, and uh, just download, rate, subscribe, re- unsubscribe, resubscribe. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's grow this. Let's try and uh, I really want to get to the point to where I can do this full time, and uh, I really want to. I really love this, and I want to have a community here of people that we can talk sports with. Like when news breaks, like I want to build something to where, you know, when the news breaks to place now um, is traded, like I want to be able to post like, like what's everybody's thoughts on this. And like, we all just have like common discord, discord and discussion on Twitter about it and talking about it underneath YouTube videos and podcasts and uh, blogs, commenting on the blogs and stuff like that's what I'm trying to build. So please share it with people. Um, yeah. It, a simple retweet or a like or a share it may take it may take a couple seconds for you but it means like world difference for me so that's all i'm asking for but yeah if you like this episode please down uh download rate subscribe uh leave a review and uh share with some friends um as always this was fun and i will see you guys next thursday uh check out some of the lazy couch thoughts wednesday we had as you're listening to this, I'm going to record it tomorrow, Wednesday, and post it. But it's going to be about the college football playoff. Friday, I have something special planned. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. For New Year's. So we'll see about that. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, everybody have a safe New Year's. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And everyone be safe. Let's uh, Let's have fun and let's be responsible. Maybe. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, And all I have left to say is see you guys next week. Love you guys.